Alright guys, I own the fly back again and we've got another top ten list. You know I, we love the music and I've had some guest hosts on the show. Uh with me tonight we we're supposed to have uh of course my my partner in crime, Lynn Bryant, was supposed to be with us tonight as well. But he had uh, some uh, some other things he had to take care of tonight. We miss him. But I will be reading off his list. With me tonight, we had him on before. I think, what did we do? Top 10 albums? Was that what we did? We did. Yeah, and, yep. uh, yeah. we did top 10 albums. Uh, it's been a few months ago. But uh, got him back on the show tonight, Mr. Steve Hill. We're going to do our top 10 hair bands of all time. Welcome back, buddy. Good to have you with us. Thank you, sir. I appreciate the invite as always. Looking forward to it. Yeah, and uh, let's get this out of the way. We, we've been talking all week. You know, we started, Steve suggested we do this last week, and, uh, you know, we've been talking back and forth about who would be considered a hair band. Uh, and and one of the two, some of the bands that we talked about, of course, I'm not putting Kiss on this list. Kiss was in, came around in the 70s. Yeah, they were around and and they adapted to the hair band style in the eighties. But I, and Kiss, uh, Aerosmith, um, Van Halen, even though they were big in that era and they were they were grouped in with that, we're not. I'm not putting them on this list. And uh, but you know, and and I I'll go ahead and tell you, Bon Jovi. Me and Steve have already talked about Bon Jovi is not on our list because and y'all let Steve Steve. Kind of explain why you feel Bon Jovi isn't on your list. So I thought, you know, Bon Jovi was, you know, when I think of glam metal, I think of, you know, the hair, the makeup, the hair spirit, and Bon Jovi, you know, definitely had the long hair going on. To me, they were more the type of kind of radio-friendly, you know, you know, nothing wrong with it. I like their music a lot. Just oh, yeah. nobody I consider a hair band. Um, and I had the same dilemma with Guns N' Roses before people lynched me for for not having them up here, you know. I, I, again, to me, they were kind of towards the end of the 80s, but they had more of a, you know, they weren't after for the women and, and the parties and stuff as much as they were about the music. So those two were, were left off my list intentionally. Yeah, I got I do have Guns N' Roses on my list. I'll go ahead and tell you. But uh, Guns N' Roses on Lynn's list as well. But I can see where you're coming from there. That was kind of... They didn't usher in the end of it, but they were, it was a whole different, it was a different sound. Nirvana was pretty much what killed, and I don't care what anybody says, right. Nirvana killed hair metal. I mean, th there's no doubt about it. Uh, when grunge came along, hair metal quickly went away, and I, that's, it was a sad day for me because, you know, I loved all of that, that uh, kind of music. It, it, was, it was just a great oh, yeah. era. And some of these groups, you know, still did some things into the early, mid-90s, but, you know, a lot of these guys went from selling out stadiums to, you know, barely selling out clubs, so it's a big difference. Yeah, you know, there's a couple, a couple on my list that, let's see, how many are still going? One, two, three, four. Mm. Well, most of, my, most of the guys on my list are still going, so uh, not sure about one of them, but uh, anyway... You know, I, I remember the days, and, and my first memory, of, I guess, of hair metal was, you know, just hearing Casey Kasem's Top 40. That was where you really heard all the, all the, the well, you heard the best music in, in the country for that week. And there was a lot of them around that area to 83, where it really started, 84, 85, it took off. And then I was introduced to, like, 
you know, go to the grocery store, you see the Circus magazines, the Hit Parader, oh, yeah. uh, Metal Edge, you know, and, it, and I read those magazines cover to cover. When I, when I first get it, 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 I'm like this, when I get into something, I've got to learn it up and down. At first. I mean, I'm reading, I'm trying to find out everything I can about the history of it, everything. And, it, you know, I, I did a lot of reading. Circus Magazine was really what I started off with, and then Hit Parader came along, and at near the end, Metal Edge is, was, was there, but, uh, you know, no better time for me. I think, uh, you know, Motley Crue was one, one of them that first introduced me to hair metal, and uh, from right. there, I just went from there. How about you? Oh, yeah. Yeah, you know, early and mid-80s, ever since I can remember it, um, you know, MTV ushered in a lot of that stuff for me. A lot of these guys had great videos, and, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm not ashamed to say I still, you know, a lot of you check out my playlist. There's a lot of these. As a matter of fact, everybody on my list, I've got at least one of their songs up there, and, you know, I still listen to them, and they're, you know, a lot of catchy tunes. So, yeah, definitely uh, that that mid-80s kind of ushered in that sound. Um, you know, and it was, it was a fad. It was a wave. Like you said, Nirvana kind of took the, the whole country in a different direction with music, and uh, it's almost like overnight musical people who, you know, were, were fans of, of Motley Crue or somebody like that, all of a sudden that was, you know, that was taboo. It was, let's get this edgier, more depressed sound, and, you know, the parties kind of went out the window, and it was more real life and, and kind of a harder edge sound to it. Yeah, and, you know, you talk about the MTV when everybody, everybody had music videos. I mean, everybody. And you had the Headbangers Ball, which was pretty much the the hard rock and hair band. That was where you'd listen oh, yeah. to every every Saturday night on MTV. Uh, for Ricky Rackman. Yeah, Ricky Rackman was the, was the host. And, I mean, you, you had a countdown before it started. Then you had the Headbangers Ball and showed just about every video you can think of. And, he, and then some for uh, Hairband and the Metal. But can you imagine, and I was talking to somebody about this the other day, can you imagine if we had had like stuff like Apple Music, Spotify, uh, Pandora back then? Just how, imagine how many more records it would have sold. Exactly. I mean, it, but it, you know, still to me, and I've said it before, there's nothing like, there was nothing like for me going to, the record store, which was the closest big record store we had back then, was in the Rock Rapids Mall, Camelot Music. Going there yep. the day a day a record or a CD or a cassette came out and buying it and listening to it on the way home and reading the liner notes and stuff like that. I mean, right. I said that many a time. That's what I miss most about this. You know, you I, I would read the liner notes. Like I said, I read the magazines, liner notes, try to find out whatever I can, but. Man, it, you know those were the good old days, and uh, oh yeah. And like you said, you're talking about you have at least one or two songs of these guys. I've got whole albums, like the whole discography on my on my iPad of some of these guys. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm not ashamed. Of, that's that's my when I run most of what you, I listen to is like that it, kind of music. You like it, you like it. You know, I'm not going to apologize for what I love. Oh no, never, never. But anyway, we're gonna we're gonna get started. Uh, like I said, top ten hair bands, and these are our favorite hair bands. This does not necessarily mean that you know some people say, "Well, they're not the best. They're not the best." In our eyes, they are the best. So uh, you know, if you want to make a list, be you know by all means, submit all your list to us. We'll put it on, and and you know, if you don't like what we say, 
tell us why. But uh, these are our list. Nobody else's. They're just ours. So if you disagree, I'm, I'm sorry. Let's get right into it. Let's go and start off with you, Steve. Now getting in, I'll do the lens, and then I'll I'll finish up. Where you who you got at number right. ten? So number ten is a, is a group that that came on kind of that later mid um, late eighties. Um, is and I've got Cinderella at number ten. Oh wow! Um, had yeah, two really great albums: uh, Night Songs in '86, Long Cold Winter in '88. Um, you know, this was kind of along the the time where everybody had that power ballad going on, and uh, you know they had great songs like Nobody's Fool, Gypsy Road, and of course everybody knows Don't Know What You Got Till It's Gone. I mean that's been played at every dance. Oh yeah. You know when I was in high school. Um, one of the great things I like about this band, the lead singer and guitarist Tom Kiefer is a fantastic songwriter. Um, and although the band is not together anymore, he still performs uh, with his own yeah. band. He, uh, he solo does acoustic stuff. Um, seems that his songs a little bit differently. Remember Cinderella? He had that really. It was kind of a high pitch, but a raspy sound. Raspy, yeah. it, it seemed like it took a very a lot of effort for him to get that sound out, and. Uh, you know, he's had some vocal troubles over the last, you know, 10 years or so, and, and he's had to change his singing style, but still a great singer, and, uh, man, yeah, Cinderella's number 10 for me. I really like that band. Yeah, I just remember uh, the first time I saw Cinderella was the Shake Me video, and I was like, wow, these yep. guys, and, and then, of course, you know, you have some other great songs. One of my favorite songs that... Uh, uh, from the long cold winter, one of my favorite Cinderella songs, "Coming Home." Uh, they, that's just a, a great song, and like you said, he had that raspy voice. Who, you know, I didn't know how he he did it, but you know, you talk about the problems he had was paralysis of his left vocal cord. Uh, yeah, you know yeah. that he had to have ser several surgeries. He had to learn how to sing again. I mean, he really had to do yeah. it all over again. And for that guy to be out there and and to to be doing it, still doing it, you know, it just shows you how much he loves loves to be able to do it. And like you said, a great songwriter, you know, Don't Know What You Got is probably the song they're, they're known most for. Um, Somebody Save Me is another good song that I, that I really like. Yeah. Night songs, you know, they kind of... I was kind of disappointed with Heartbreak Station. That was a follow-up to Long Cold Winter, but still not a bad album. It just wasn't up to the same point. It was a long time. Yeah, yeah, and, and I mean, it, it was it was near the end. Uh, that's like we're going to say yeah. that a lot tonight. I think it was near the end. It, if it would have been, if it had been in the midst of all this, it it would have been probably a great album. People would call it a great album, but you know, it is what it is. That's yeah. it. All right, number ten for Lynn uh, is a group that I'm. was also on my list, a little higher up. But uh, I remember going to see these guys in concert. This was actually they were the opening act at my the first concert I ever went to. Was, and I can't remember. I think it was at the Scope in Virginia, Norfolk, Virginia. And they opened up for Poison, and I'm talking about Tesla. And Tesla, you okay. know, Tesla came out with. Uh, you know, they first really hit the scene with Mechanical Resonance. And I remember the song, uh, Modern Day Cowboy. That was one of the yep. first songs I heard. And then uh, th there was another song that I really liked was Changes, uh, Little Susie's on the Up. And then when they came out with uh, great radio controversy, man, they really took off. This was about the time that, w that I saw them in concert. And, uh, 
you know, the love song, which was probably their what they're most known for, was oh yeah, great song. Yeah, that was really hitting the rotation in MTV right then, and uh, man, they were really taking off. I still, they're still together. Still, you know, they don't have all the original members, but they're still together and uh, still touring around. As a matter of fact, one of my good friends, he, he's him and his wife are like uh, Tesla Groofy. I think they go whenever they come close by. They go wherever they're at, and uh, but Tesla is number ten for Lynn. Yeah, uh, and they got all but but one of their original members. They yeah, got everybody yeah. the same. They they've changed uh, rhythm guitars once. That's yeah, it. and that, so. you don't find that a whole lot with these bands. I mean, yeah. you, you you really, I mean, even like Cinderella, of course, they're not together. Uh, you look at somebody like Bon Jovi, uh, Richie Sambora's gone, Alec John Sutch's gone, the bassist. And the lead guitarist, but you know, for them to have only one, that's that's pretty good. These guys, and I mean, you got to remember with these guys, these guys are together so much. I mean, even back then when they would record for months and then go tour for over a year, I mean, they're together every day. That was their family. Yeah, yeah, so, you know, you're living with these guys, and uh, you think about it, that's that's got to be kind of tough. I know they were they got to get kind of tired of each other. My number ten is is technically these guys probably started the hair band era. Uh, if you look at it, they were the first hard rock band to have a number one single on the Billboard charts. I'm talking I know about exactly who it is. I got him. I got him a lot higher than that. But yeah, yeah absolutely. talking about Quiet Riot, and when I talk about them, this was actually. One of the first introduction to 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 metal for me was when you hear um, "Come On Feel the Noise" on, on top forty. I mean, you were like, "Holy crap!" And this really started where you know, because before then it was more like the the Elton Johns, Olivia Newton Johns. You know, yeah. it, it was kind of a underground. Yeah, it was it, it was really underground. But this this got it to the mainstream. I mean, they hit number five. Uh, the single went to number five on the charts. The album went to number one. It was, like I said, the first time an album, a hard rock album, went to number one on the charts. Uh, yep. And it's actually a cover, a Slade cover. Uh, come yep. on, feel the noise. But that album, man, we, you know, I remember my brother going out back. It was, he bought the cassette. We wore that thing out, and man, it was, it was just a great album. But you know, you look at what they did over the years. Uh, they had a, a follow-up to that. Didn't do as well. That was condition critical. Didn't do as well. Right. Sold over a million copies, but didn't do as well. And then QR3, which I still think is an underrated album. I listened. To, I bought. I actually bought the cassette. Uh, the Wild and the Young is one of my favorite Quiet Riot songs, and the video had a lot okay. to do with that. Uh, but here's the thing, and we're going to talk about this a lot. All of these these guys got so much publicity from these videos. I mean, I remember Motley Crue, they retired Home Sweet Home from uh, MTV to Countdown because it got voted number one It was so number much. one for so long. Yeah, yeah, they retired it. And I mean, this is what I don't understand about, and I, I know it's a different time, different place, but these these guys could be making videos and getting all this airplay and getting, and I mean, I know it's so easy to get, it's so easy to get the music on Apple Music or Spotify or whatever, but... You know, I would like to see the video era come back. And I know MTV doesn't play videos anymore. It's anything but music. Yeah. But 
I'd like to see the video error come back. I don't know about you. I would, too. I remember coming home from school, man. I think we talked about this last time, and, you know, I plopped down on the couch and, and flipped between MTV and VH1, and, you know, that was about time that the, the, the countdown was coming on when you're getting home from school, and, you know, it just, you know, I, I, I definitely missed it, and it's something I would watch again in a heartbeat. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So, number nine. What do you got at number nine? In number nine, we've already talked about him, but uh, I've got Tesla at number nine. Um, you know, one of my favorite things about Tesla, again, after we talked about, they pretty much stayed the same the whole time. Uh, and they were kind of a, an, another one like Cinderella, but even later, they came along, you know, really towards the end of the decade. But Love Song, they did a, a cover of Signs by the Five Men. Um, five Men Band Jam. Yep, that, that album to me, that five-man acoustical jam album, um, I, I bought that, and, I mean, that's a cover-to-cover -cover album to me. It's so great. It's a mix of, you know, they call it acoustical jam, but it's a mix of acoustic and some electric in there. But, yeah. um, you know, I'm a, I'm a big fan of um, Frankie Hannon, the guitar player. I yeah. mean, just such an underrated guitar player. He was an unofficial student of Randy Rose. He wasn't around before, you know, before Randy passed away, but... Um, kind of tailored his sound after him. He's got more of that classical. And you can tell if, if you listen to some of the songs, just, you know, oh, yeah. and I'm not a musician, so a lot of musicians out there will know this a whole lot better than I do, but just, you know, he wasn't just strumming chords. I mean, he was he was making music. And, um, you know, one of those bands that kind of flies under the radar. Um, you know, a lot of people may enjoy Tesla, couldn't name you one person in the band. They just weren't that kind of band that no, was always out there. They were not. Um, right. I'm sure they were, yeah, I'm sure they were putting in there with everybody else, but, you know, you didn't see, you knew that they were about the music. And, um, you know, just a victim of circumstance, like I said earlier, if they'd have come along five years earlier, we might have had three or four great albums from them. Um, but, man. Great radio controversy. I mean, and what can you say? Love song is one of those that you know it's got that catchy hook that everybody knows it. So I got Tesla at number nine for me. Yeah, when you hear the intro to to Love Song, you know the instrumental intro to it. Uh, that's yeah. just a, one of the best intros ever, right there to me. Uh, you know, they they had so much great stuff on that album. Though. That that's I won't say top to bottom that I will listen to it over and over again. But you had like. Another great song, Paradise. Uh, mm -hmm. Lady Luck. Lady Luck was another song that I enjoyed. Uh, what was the name of that song? And I'm and it, it got a lot of airplay on MTV. Gosh, what was it? It was an upbeat song. They had a no way out. Them. No way out. Heaven's Trail. No way out. Okay. That, that was that was one that that I was talking about there. But uh, yeah. they did a cover of a Fogarty song, Lodi. Lodi. Yeah. Lodi. That was on the Five Man Acoustical Jam as well. That was yeah, yeah, it was. All right, so number nine for Lynn, and we're flip. Me and Lynn flip flop nine, nine and ten here. He's got Quiet Riot, which we talked about, and you know I want to talk a little bit about. Uh, I don't know if you've seen it or not. Uh, the uh, longtime drummer for he wasn't in the original drummer, but a longtime drummer. And he pretty much has taken the band over. Frankie Vanali. Uh, yeah, he's. He's he's fighting cancer right now and it's it's pretty I think serious. Yeah, like stage four pancreatic or something. Yeah, it's, it's pretty, pretty it's pretty, pretty serious. Uh, but he is he's he's a fighter and he's he's doing doing great. Uh, he's still going through you know and he's lost his hair. Uh, 
but you know, he's still. At, matter of fact, they had a video up. I want to say it was on Instagram, or I think it was their Instagram of him with no hair at all playing the drums and just pounding the drums. So he's still nice. he's still fighting it out there, and uh, you know, we wish him the best. Uh, hope we, we our prayers go out to him and his family that he'll you know, he'll beat this. You know, because uh, Josh, you know, you just look at him pounding that those drums and him and Kevin Dubrow. Uh, a lot of a lot of people don't realize Quiet Riot was formed by Randy Rhodes. You talked about Randy yep. Rhodes earlier. Randy Rhodes was one of the founding members of Quiet Riot, and he, you know, in when the seventies, they, they've been around a while. Yeah, they've been around. They actually put, uh, I want to say, it's two or three albums out there were only re- released in Japan before yep. Metal Health came out. Uh, they finally got that when they got after Randy Rhodes left. And, uh, you know, yep. of course, Randy Rhodes went on to Ozzy Osbourne and died tragically in the plane crash. But, uh, you know, a lot of people didn't re- don't realize Randy Rhodes was that was the founding member of Quiet Riot. But and like was, the, yeah. And then I've got at number nine, I've, I, I'm, I'm right there with you at number nine, Tesla. Uh, we talked about, you know, we've talked about him a lot. I think we pretty much said everything we, we could say about Tesla right now. But uh, still going strong. They actually have a new album out. I think it's been out for a while, but I have not had a chance. I do have it downloaded on my iPad, and I'm going to, I'm going to uh, give it a listen. And uh, it, it, it's nice. It's nice to have this Apple Music and stuff like that, because some of these guys are putting out new music, and I mean, you can't find it everywhere, but you can find it on here. That's right. Uh, so it's nice, nice to be able to find that. So number eight. Who you got? Number eight. Number eight, I've got Warrants. Um, wow. Great debut album, Dirty Rotten, Filthy Stinking Rich, went two times platinum right out of the gate. You know, they, they came along at the right time where, um, you know, those those producers and were, were looking for the next great hair band and, you know, again, had that song Heaven. You talk about um, yeah. a catchy power ballad that everybody, you know, back then, if you didn't have a power ballad in, in the mid-'80s, you, you didn't have a, an album. It's got to be on one of them somewhere. Um, Down Boys is one of my favorite songs off that album. Um, then they came along with Cherry Pie. Um, tragically, Jenny Lane passed away. Um, I think probably it's been about 10 years ago now, maybe in a little bit more. Um, but they were still, uh, they're still touring now, you know, of course, without him fucking the band. But, um, when he was still alive, they were, they were doing club tours and, and singing the old classics. And, you know, it even talked about putting some new material out. But, um, you know, really enjoyed the Um, you know, some of these bands are, are going to resemble, at least on my list, I don't want to say cookie cutter, but, you know, they, they all have kind of that same sound. They've got a couple of harder-edged songs, but then a lot of them are those radio-friendly. Um, oh, yeah. Like I said, you got to have a power ballad up there, but I've got one like the number eight for me. Yeah, um, just remember, and you talk about the pattern. When you listen to one of those albums from back then, you know, they had an upbeat upbeat song to start it off with a rocker to start it off with and usually about the second or third song was the power ballad and you you had at least one they some of them would would get brave enough to do maybe two but you know like as a matter of fact uh dirty rotten filthy stinking rich had two they had heaven and they had sometimes she cries um yep you think about this good songs. there was four really good songs on that album i mean you had big talk you had heaven uh, down yep. boys and sometimes she cries so they came out with it i mean 
a great debut album, one of the best uh, of the hair bands. But yeah, tragically, you know, Janie Lane had that distinguishable voice. I mean, you you knew great that voice. that was warrant when uh, you as soon as you heard him. But yeah, such a tragedy. You know, he couldn't get himself straight because there was a lot of talk about, you know. Getting getting the band back together, issues. and yeah, he had some health yeah. issues and some demons that he was dealing with. So, uh, but yeah, well, just goes to show you, man, you can have all the money in the world and all the success, and that doesn't necessarily mean you're a happy person. So, exactly, you never know what's going on behind closed doors. So, uh, right. number eight, and Lynn is right on there with you. Lynn, Lynn's got Warren at number eight. So, uh, you guys, we're having some. Uh, some agreements here. I'm surprised. Well, the last time me and Lynn did, yeah. last time me and Lynn did a list, it was nothing. I, we had another guest on. We, it was nothing like you know. We, I don't think we any of us had uh, one that came out at the same number. But Warren at number eight. Uh, you talk about Cherry Pie. Cherry Pie was you know yeah. another great Warren song up there, and, and one that I, I really love is Uncle Tom's Cabin. You know, it starts out, starts off with the little banjo, and it sounds slow, and then it, and then they really kick into it. And they they go a lot harder than what you used to hear Warrant do, yeah, but that was a great song as well. Um, but yeah, Warrant, Warrant just, and I know they're still going, and I haven't really listened to it, to to any of their stuff with the newer singer, um, Robert Mason is is the singer they got now, but. I just always think of Warren as as Janie Lane, you know. I, yeah, and absolutely. I haven't really, like I said, I haven't really listened to any of the stuff after him, so I'm gonna have to give it a try. Nothing against Robert Mason, but that's who I always think of with with Warren. Yeah, my number yeah, eight. You know, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. Now you uh, go ahead before I start out. Speaking of Cherry uh, uh, you know, I was asking. I don't think it was behind the music, but it was something like that, and it was, you know, it was just Janie Lane and. You know, he absolutely despised that song. Yeah, you know, I remember had, uh, it was behind him. The, yeah. They had the album written. It was going to be called Uncle Tom's Cabin. And, you know, last minute, his producer came and said, we don't have that, that radio single. And he said he sat down in about 20 minutes and wrote Cherry Pie. And then all of a sudden, the album was Cherry Pie and the video was Cherry Pie. And, you know, the whole the whole thing was so... Um, it really had a, a distaste in his own heart for that album. Again... You know, it made him millions of dollars, but it doesn't mean that you're happy. So, yeah, uh, I just always found that interesting. Yeah, I remember watching that, and you know, I guess can you imagine how many times after that song really took off that they had to play that song in concert and, and him? Yeah, I mean that's what they were known for. And him being and not being a big fan of it, you know, I, I was oh, I know after what that's like, Kiss. I can't imagine how many times they sang rock and roll all night live. But good lord. Right. There's got to be a time when you get tired of it. but uh, I'm sure. My number eight is a band that came off another band that I, and I that I was getting to be a really big fan of. And unfortunately, the leader of their group, I guess, I don't know how to say it. I mean, was an idiot uh, because they were just getting popular. They were just catching fire. And he... He does something stupid and and breaks the band up. Uh, two of the guys from this band went on to to make their own band, which formed uh, in late 1988. I'm talking about Slaughter, uh, Mark Slaughter, yeah. Dana Strum, yeah. coming coming forth from uh, 
the Vinnie Vincent invasion. Who Vinnie Vincent was the former lead guitarist for Kiss. I just remember, uh, gosh, summer, summer of '87, buying All Systems Go from Vinnie Vincent Invasion, buying a cassette and listening to it from start to finish, and I was like, wow. Mark Slaughter's voice was great. Vinny's guitar playing was great. It, it all sounded really good. Uh, of course, one of the big songs off that album was uh, Love Kills, which was off Nightmare on Elm Street. I think it was the third one. Uh, the video, yeah, the video for that was, was getting a lot of airplay on MTV. And then all of a sudden, I, I'm reading in, in Circus and Hip Parader that you know the band is split up. And Vinny... The way I've heard it, and I don't know if this is so or not. This is just hearsay. They took their their record company, which was Chrysalis Records, took a four million dollar contract away from Vinnie Vincent for exceeding his credit line with the label. And, oh wow! You know, Vinnie's had had so many problems. You know, he was he was pretty much off the grid for for years, and then reappeared here late here lately but man he's you know he he had a he had something good there and then but luckily for us you know dana strum and mark slaughter they uh got tim kelly and bryas edelis they got them and they made slaughter and i just remember going to buy that was one of those ones that i went to buy the day it came out stick it to you when you had oh, yeah. up up all night and then uh of course the ballad Roger the big Dane. ballad they had fly to the angels um, and then they then they went to uh, their second their second album, The Wildlife. I, that's my favorite Slaughter album. They had uh, what was the name of that song? Jeez, it wasn't. Was it Up All Night? Yeah, it was Up All Night. No, that was a, one off the Stick It To You. Wildlife was self-titled uh, single from the album. That was great. And then Real Love. Uh, that was the video that had Shannon Doherty, of course, from Beverly Hills 90210 right. fame. Uh, but they had it going, and then that was about the time that that was near the end. Like we said, that was near the end. Yep. And, uh, you know, they just kind of faded away, but they're still still going. I know Mark Slaughter has done some uh, some solo albums. Slaughter has done some albums. They're still but, going, yeah. Yes, but I just, I, you know, one of, my, one of those unsung bands that you don't hear a lot about, but, man, I loved Slaughter back then. Slaughter is my number yeah, eight. I, I listened to a podcast with Eddie Trunk and Mark Slaughter. God, it might have been a couple of months ago. It was fairly recently. And, and talking about the breakup of Vinnie Vincent Invasion. And, you know, the way Mark does it was that uh, Vinnie Vincent was going to fire Dana Strunk. And uh, yeah. Mark just kind of went over to him and said, hey, man, we don't need this guy. Let's go. You know, we got our own thing going. You know, they had had it with him for other reasons. And, uh, you know, it, it worked out for them. You really didn't hear too much from Vinny Vincent too much after that. Yeah, he really disappeared after that. I mean, that was part of And, you know, Vinny is such a shame because the guy, when he played, was great. Talented. But yeah. his his decision-making, you know, because Kiss, Kiss kicked him out twice. They took him back yeah. the first time. I don't think his heart was in it. Yeah, he, I, I think it's just... And then... I don't know if you know this or not, but when Kiss made the, the album Revenge, Vinny has a lot of co-writing credits on that, that album. And great song, okay. great songs on that. He worked with Kiss again. And then, 
There, he let his ego get in the way. He wasn't in the band, but he was writing with him. And he let his ego get in the way and, and pretty much burned that bridge to the ground after that. So, uh, you know, oh, yeah. Vinny just, Vinny's talented, but just, man, let his ego get in the way of a lot of things. Absolutely. Yeah. All right, who you got at number seven? Well, number seven is, is I guess you want to call them the oldest band on my list. Uh, at least they started the soonest. They started in the early 70s um, as kind of a glam metal before all this kind of took over and, and really weren't hitting on much. They were on the brink of breaking up several times. Really took off in the 80s. Um, and when I think of music videos for glam metal, this is who I think of, and that's Twisted Sister. Um, you know, we're not going to take it. I want to watch. I mean, I can still see both of those videos as a little kid. You know, that what are you going to do with your life? And then, you know, blows the, the dad right out the window. And um, yeah, just, you know, a couple of songs that you can still put on the radio today and just go down the road and, you know, you're singing along in the car. And, um, you know, unfortunately, they had some deaths in the band um, yeah. in, the, in the late 90s or early to mid 90s. And, and, when they were starting to kind of reform, but, um, you know, Dee Snyder's one of those unmistakable characters, and, I mean, I remember as a kid just watching the videos, I mean, they scared me to death, they looked, they looked rough, I mean, they, they weren't trying to look like women, I don't know what they were trying to look like, but they definitely had the full-on makeup and the hair and all that, but, so yeah, um, I've got Twisted Sister at number seven for me. Do you remember, I, and I'm like you, I bought, I had to have the cassette, and the, but the cover of it, you know, D. Snyder up there with, uh, I think, a bone, bone. Yeah, a bone in his yep. hand. And, uh, but, you know, had that, listened to, listened to it many times. Like, you know, back when we had Walkmans and all that stuff, you listen to it with your headphones. I could oh, listen yeah. to it over and over again. Uh, do you remember the follow-up to, to that Stay Hungry album? I, uh, I don't. I mean, I, I probably would know it if I heard it. Was, uh, it but I don't the album was... Come out called Come Out and Play, and I think okay. I think they went a little too, you know. Everybody liked Twisted Sister's rock songs, rock song, and I think they right. got, and I think the record company probably had a lot to do with. It. I haven't heard any stories about it, but they did a remake of Leader of the Pack, uh, and that, yeah. there's yeah. a video on on YouTube of it. And yeah, you know, and I I, I don't mind it, but. It just didn't seem Twisted Sister-like, I'll put it that way. Kiss has done the same thing. They did a, a remake of an old 60s song that was uh, uh, Then She Kissed Me. Yeah, that was on Love Gun. Just didn't fit in with Love right. Gun. That's the only thing I don't really enjoy about Love Gun. But like you said, Twisted Sister, man, when they did Stay Hungry, a great album. And they were they were all over the place. You know, of course, um, D. Snyder pretty much took on Tipper Gore and the PMRC by itself. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, and, and they, they expected to see... Very some, educated man. Yeah, they expected to see Very some stupid broken. idiot coming there, and there he was. He was reading stuff off, and, and they they didn't know what to do. Uh, but, yeah. They didn't know what hit him. Yeah, exactly. I loved it. But, yeah, that look, too, that, that was a great look, and I think that had a lot to do with their success. That's what drew them in, just like Kiss. The look draw, drew the people in, but the music kept them there. Uh, That's right. So... Number seven for you is Twisted Sister. So number seven for Lynn was a group we talked about earlier. I think it was number ten on your list, Cinderella. Uh, you know, of course, we okay. talked about Night Songs. We talked about Long Cold Winter. Uh, Tom Kiefer was such. You had that 
another distinguished voice, distinguishable voice, and uh, you know, still going. I don't know, uh, Eric Brittenham. Do you remember him? I think he was. was yeah, he, the guitar player. Yeah, he, he, was, the he was the bassist. He's actually playing, and he looks nothing. You remember he had the blonde hair. Uh, yeah, he was the only one that was blonde in the group. Exactly. Yeah. He is playing now in the Brett Michaels band. He's he's a, okay. Yeah, he's he's with Brett Michaels. I because I was looking through some stuff and uh, saw his name up there, and I said, "Well, I wonder what he's doing now." Yeah, he's with the Brett Michaels band now. Doesn't look doesn't look anything like. I think he's got a mustache. He's still got the blonde hair, but nothing like what he looked back in the Cinderella days. But uh, yeah. you know, one of the interesting things about Kiefer is, you know, a lot of times when your lead singer plays guitar, it's more of the the strumming, kind of the rhythm part. Tom Kiefer played lead on a lot of these songs, yeah. and so you know it's it's odd when your when your lead singer is also your lead guitar player. You don't you just see that too often. Yeah, you're right about that. Just speaks to his ability. So number seven for me is a group that you know another group that I was first one of the first groups I was introduced to by the with the, with the hair metal stuff. Uh, went out by the their uh, probably their. Best album, the one they're most known for, uh, Out of the Cellar. A lot of these kids probably know them now by the Geico commercial. Uh, they got a rap problem. Yep. But uh, my number seven is rap. Man, I can remember uh, Out of the Cellar came out, Round and Round, uh, Wanted Man. Oh, yeah. Uh, Lay It Down. Yeah, Lay It Down was on Invasion of Your Privacy. But uh, I actually got, for Christmas, I got a, a VHS cassette. It was their home video cassette. We had all the videos on it. I wore that thing out. But uh, these guys, they've had, they've had some trouble, legal troubles over the years. A lot of bickering back and forth. They've actually had two different forms of the band. But incarnations, uh, yeah. Yeah, Stephen Piercy, uh, Bobby Blotzer, Juan Cruchier, Warren Demartini, who is one of the most underrated guitarists out there, I think. Oh, it's uh, phenomenal. The yeah. kid was when they came out initially. I mean, he was just he's a prodigy. Yeah, and and then you had. Uh, Robin Crosby, who, you know, the late Robin Crosby, who died. But I think this was the first band that I was actually took notice of that had two guitar players, and they traded riffs yeah. on guitar solos. Uh, I, actually got, right. I actually got looked at a lot of stuff on YouTube here in the last uh, couple of months, and uh, there were some interviews with, that I watched with Warren Martini, and then there were some isolated, the isolated guitar parts on... Uh, Round and round, and listen to that. Listen, I've listened to De Martinez. I've listened to Robin Crosby. Man, uh, how it fits together is so great. I mean, just listen to so the they, isolated they part and the way they 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 fed off each other was so great. And uh, you know, you just hate to see Robin Crosby let let his demons get get to him. And uh, unfortunately, he's gone, yeah. so there will be no original rap. But and, and there's so much bickering going on about who's the, got the original rap, who. Who should be the rat name? And uh, I think there's only two right. original ones left. I think Piercy and Crucier are left. Yep. But man, I'll tell you another thing. Another guy that doesn't get enough credit for his harmonies on a song. There's a lot of guys that get. Michael Anthony is one. Is probably the best oh, bass player, fantastic. harmony guy out there. I mean, that Van Halen. Yeah. You can definitely tell it's Michael Anthony up there, but Juan Cruchier has got some great harmonies. If you listen to, yeah, I, I love listening to that. But Rat, uh, man, Out of the Cellar was great. 
then the follow-up invasion of your privacy I, I, I that was great and then the dance dancing on the cover was different but i still enjoyed it up until up until detonator which was in 1990 they had some yeah good, i wouldn't be fan of detonator well they they went kind of more to the pop side with that um right but i still have some songs on there i really like but they moved, they went away from their sound with that reach for the sky which had way cool jr and i want a woman was great but uh you know it's it's just when they went to detonator it kind of kind of was the the end and that was near the end as well so uh yeah. rat is my number seven so number six who you got Number six, um, I've got Poison. Um, <laughs> you know, to me, this, this band is, um, you know, and, and it's not a knock on them, but, you know, they were all about getting the girls. And, and you know, you listen to some of the, the interviews with, you know, Brett Michaels and Ricky Rock and some of those guys, you know, they, they were excited about, you know, being 80% women in the audience. And, um, hey, you can't knock on them. I mean, they had 10 top 40 singles. Um, and they're still playing today with, with the original lineup. And they had one incarnation where they had C.C. DeVille out for a little bit. I uh, brought in a couple of different guitar players, and I think they had one album with Richie Cox, and they didn't do so well. Yeah. But, um, you know, every race has its song. Who hasn't heard that song? Yeah. Or a prom or a dance. Or, um, open up and say, oh, it's five times platinum with, you know, Unskinny Bop. And, and um, God, what's that, what's that song, Stevie, that it, it's a... Another power ballad that he's singing about the, the Vietnam better. Uh, uh, something to believe something in. Something to believe in, yeah. Yep, yep. And so they were, they were more about ballad. They were some Texas tunes, um, and looked at the cat drag in, but, um, you know, again, not knocking them at all because, I mean, you know, the proof is in the pudding when you're selling it, but, um, but they were, I guess, on my list as more of a, um, I don't want to say lesser musicians, but, you know, you don't ever hear anybody say, oh, that Bobby Donald's a great bass player. I mean, you just, nah. collectively, they sound great. Um, I'm a big fan of Brett Michaels and Ricky Rocket. Um, C.C. DeVille has his own distinctive guitar sound, but, um, you know, I've still got some of those songs on, and I'm not happy with so, uh, Poison's number six for me. Yeah, I'd, actually, the, the, uh, the first time I can remember flipping through, it was Circus Magazine, and looking at the back cover, and there was an ad for this new band Poison. Look what the cat dragged in, and I honestly thought they, they were. Like I thought they were girls. They, I thought it was an all-girl band yeah. until I got to reading yeah. up on them, and then I saw what it, you know who they were and all that. And you know, of course, they really took off. They 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 were another band with a, a great debut album. You know, you had um, I won't forget you. You had Talk Dirty to Me. Uh, yeah, so, some great songs off that. I want action, and then to follow it up yep. with even better, uh, open up and say ah, oh, like you said, uh, that to, from top to bottom is a great album to me. Uh, even some of the lesser known songs I, I, I listen to, uh, and then like you said, uh, Flesh and Blood was the third album. Uh, that was the one yeah. with something to believe in and uh, life goes on, Unskitty Bop. But yep. when they hit the Richie Cotton era, it was a different sound. And like I said, that was near the end as well. But Richie Cotton's scenario is, is pretty much a a bad left a bad taste in a lot of his mouth because the reason he yeah. I don't know if, have you, you've heard the reason he got kicked out, right? Oh yeah, he was um, he was 
messing around with Ricky Rocket's fiance. Yeah, they that's kicked right. Him out of the band. Yeah, they kicked him out of the band. Yeah. And and Rich Carson, take nothing away from him. He's he's got a great. Uh, they haven't done anything in a while, but had a great band with the Winery Dolls with Billy Sheehan and uh, Mike Portnoy. Yeah. Yeah, great band. Uh, I listened to a lot of their stuff, but it just didn't sound. Native Tongue didn't sound like a Poison album. Uh, no. Had Fire and Ice. I liked that song. Stan was okay, but. Fire and Ice was probably my favorite song off that, but yeah, Poison, of course, the ill-fated uh, arena tour that that's supposed to be, maybe we'll get it next year, who who knows, but uh, Poison was going to be a part of that big tour with Motley Crue, Def Leppard, and Joan Jett. Uh, I mean, can you imagine seeing all four of them? Oh, that, that, you that'd know, be great. Yeah, uh, and, and the price was great, too. <laughs> so... That's the most important yet. Yeah, number six for Lynn is, uh, and this, these guys are high on my list. But uh, one of the guy, one of the bands that started the whole hair metal craze with me, and that's Motley Crue. Another another band wow, that's on. That's low for them. Yeah, very. To me, it is. Uh, man, uh, these guys. What can you say? I, I'll talk more about. I don't want to talk talk so much about because we're gonna. I'm sure. You're going to talk about them, and I'm going to talk about them later on. So we'll right. we'll just uh, we'll just go in there. And now my number six is probably going to be a surprise to you, but this is a group that uh, I remember seeing them for the first time, and uh, they're the way they dressed. I was like, wow, that's pretty distinctive there. And they, you know, uh, their, their their costumes were all the same. They had the same two colors, uh, and and it was a Christian band. Uh, these were a Christian rock group, but when you listen to their music, I was like, hey, these are pretty. These guys are pretty good." Of course, uh, they hit the hit the charts big time with a battle, power ballad with "Honestly," uh, and I'm talking about Striper. Um, Striper, yeah. Used to throw Bibles out. In yeah, the crowd. threw Bibles out in the audience. I remember reading about. It, I was like, "This is pretty cool." Uh, that the album "To Hell with the Devil" was the first one uh, that I re- that got me into them. Uh, man, and that from that's another great album from start to finish. Got to see them in Runic Rapids last year live, and uh, that's okay. they don't have all the they're they're missing one of the original guys, but man, they they still kick butt. Uh, uh, Robert Sweet is still Michael Sweet, excuse me, is still kicking butt. I mean, he still say he can't hit hit him as as high as he used to. Man, he hits them high, uh, but you know they actually replaced their bass player Tim Gaines with a guy. The bass player from Firehouse. I know. I know you remember Firehouse. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. The Perry, Perry Richardson, the man. I got to get meet these guys backstage. They're from Charlotte, aren't they? Yeah. Firehouse was out of North Carolina, so he he was familiar with the uh, Run at Rapids, the Run at Rapids area. So uh, we got to meet them backstage. I got got an autograph, my copy of The Hell with the Devil, and uh, pretty pretty sweet. But they did some great great songs. Uh, as a matter of fact, if you listen to some of their stuff here lately, it's a lot harder than than what it was back then. Uh, but yeah, they've adapted to the times and they're still going. Um, you know, you think about it, one of the one of the guy one of the biggest fans of Striper, Chris Jericho, uh, when he got into the, oh, yeah. into it as a teenager, he said Striper was one of his uh, favorite bands when he first started out wrestling. He made sure his ring attire was black and yellow because he was such a big Striper fan. I did not know that. So yeah, yeah. So Striper is my number six. So who you got? We're in the, we're heading into the 
last half of it right now. Top five coming. Top five coming, so uh, I feel like Casey Kasem up here. Um, Yeah. Who you got at number five? So number five for me, you talked about this. I don't know if it's a bad thing, but again, they you know they kind of came in towards the late '80s. Um, I really wish that we would have had a chance to see them a few years before we did. But this band was actually discovered by John Bon Jovi. They're all from New Jersey, uh, and I'm talking about Skid Row. Um, oh yeah. To me, Sebastian Bach on my list is number one in vocals, and there's not a number two. When you talk about just pure ability to sing. Um, you know, maybe not as much these days, but the guys in the fifties. But you know, when this when this band hit it big in in you know eighty seven, eighty eight, with songs like "Youth Going Wrong" or "18 in Life," I remember you debut album five times platinum. I mean, you don't you don't just see that every day. Um, and they still perform. Um, you know, they they don't perform with Sebastian Bach anymore, unfortunately. Uh, I think they're in their third incarnation of a singer now. Um, but they had a, a big phone out with Sebastian back in the 90s, and he's kind of done his own thing, and they've kind of done their own thing, and um, not really on speaking terms, unfortunately. But, um, man, Skid Row is one of those, you know, they had the I Remember You, which, again, we've already talked about it. Everybody's got to have that power ballad. But um, to me, they were a little harder sounds, a little edgier. Um, you know, they didn't really do the makeup so much. They had the big hair going, but, they, you know, they weren't the makeup band. But, um Man, I, I love some Skid Row. I still got a lot of their songs on, on my uh, on my playlist. Yeah, so they and come it, in at number five. For me. Yeah, and we talked about the great debut albums from like Warrant uh, and uh, you know Cinderella, but look at this and and I think Warrant and Skid Row really hit the big time about the same time. But but you look at like you said, eighteen in life, top ten single there. I remember you was a top ten single, uh, and then. You look at the next album, Slave to the Grind, debuted at number yep. one on the on the Billboard charts in June 1991, and, and hit double platinum and had no radio hits. Yeah, was that the one that had Monkey Business on it? Yeah, Monkey Business was on there. Yeah, uh, I really like that song. Wasted Time was up there. Uh, but yeah, I mean, did that without any really radio singles. There was nothing on the radio... I mean, they were all over the radio with with the debut album, but now right. with this one, they there was no singles. It still went double platinum, but the whole thing with Skid Row, uh, and you know that's coming up on. You think about it, Steve. How old we are now? Slave to the Grind is coming up on the thirtieth anniversary. That's crazy. And you know, Sebastian Bach has talked about maybe possibly doing a a tour next year with. And do the uh, entire Slate to the Ground album. Um, whether it be with Skid Row or not, I doubt it. But yeah, like you said, there there's a lot of bad blood between between those two guys, and um, which is a shame because it, yeah, and you know, and, and there's there's always been talk over the years, and uh, a couple of years, well, a few years ago, there was some talk about maybe getting them back together, and then that went down really quick. Uh, uh, Dave Sabo, I think they called him Snake Sabo. He declined. Yeah. Um, and then what? The, the original drummer, who is not in Skid Row anymore, uh, Rob Afuso, he he would he said he would be joining. He joined Sebastian Bach on tour. So uh, kind of a Skid Row reunion, but not the whole group. It would be nice to see yeah. them together. That would have been a group that, you know. 
if they'd have done the reunion, and I'm nothing against Jones yet, but can you imagine if Skid Row reunion would have been one of the acts on this big mega oh, arena yeah. tour? What I mean, yeah. that would have man, nothing against Jones yet by any means. But yeah, it would have been it would have been pretty great. So number five for Lynn. And we talked about this. This group wasn't on our list, but Lynn had him on his list. Bon Jovi. Uh, okay. Number, and I'll tell you this, Bon Jovi, I'm, I became a fan of Bon Jovi uh, before Slippery Went Wet. Uh, it was 7,800 Fahrenheit. And yep. there, I've talked to, uh, there's a guy I talked to that's a, a big-time rock journalist, and we've talked about 7,800 Fahrenheit. He's a fan of it. I'm a fan of it. But the band is not a fan of 7800 Fahrenheit. You say, sit there and think about it. You go over the set list uh, of Bon Jovi here in the last, well, ever since Slippery and Wet. There, I don't think there's any 7800 Fahrenheit songs on there. But that, and I was like, you know, that's, that being said, that's what made me a Bon Jovi fan. But Slippery and Wet, right. of course, was set That's the one that had Runaway on it? No, that was a debut album, Runaway, but uh, okay. 7800 Fahrenheit had uh, Only Lonely, In and Out of Love, but see, these are songs you don't hear, because they don't, they don't, uh, they don't like to play them, Tokyo Road was the one, uh, Silent okay. Night, but they had some great songs on that album, but you just don't hear them, because Bon Jovi chooses not to, to, even on the Greatest Hits album, there's none of them up there, if you look at it. They just do are not big fans of that 7800 Fahrenheit. But, of course, like I said, Slippery When Wet took the, launched their career to a higher level. And then New Jersey. Yep. Uh, and New Jersey, great I think, album. was really when they were at the prime. Uh, you, I mean, you had so many great songs on that album. Uh, and they were they were all over MTV. I mean, sometimes yeah. I felt like... And unfortunately, another, another tragedy, John Bon Jovi's kind of lost his voice. You know, when you sing... Yeah. That high for that many years. I mean, oh, yeah. He can't physically sustain it. So he's got to sing all the songs differently. And I mean, you look at guys like him. You look at guys like Paul Stanley. If you listen to Paul Stanley live, it is, it's, you know, Paul Stanley's 70 years old. He's, they've been, yeah. you guys have been singing it for a long bad, time. Right? It's going to take a toll on your voice after a while. And, uh, That's you know, right. but, uh, yeah, Bon Jovi was number five for Lynn. Number five for me, uh, Back in 1987 is when I first heard heard this these guys. And my brother had the cassette, and I was like, "Who in the heck are these guys?" And then, like I said, another album I could listen to from start to finish the uh, 1987 or White Snake 1987. Uh, but yeah, yep. David Coverdale, uh, one of the best voices in rock, uh, came from Deep Purple, made and then formed White Snake. And man, they had an all star. All-Star group, even though a lot of those guys didn't play on the album, uh, but, the, you know, the, the group he had, Adrian Vandenberg, Vivian Campbell, Rudy Sarzo. Rudy Sarzo. Yeah, I mean, then then you go on down the road. Bobby Aldridge on trend. Yeah. I mean, the, the 1987 album was, and I mean, of course, Tony Katane didn't, didn't hurt on the video either. Didn't hurt. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody remembers "Here I Go Again," uh, but you had "Still mm -hmm. in the Night," "Is This Love." It, I mean, they had so many great hits on that album. Then the the follow up 
with slip of the tongue, and then you get another guy, uh, Vivian Campbell leaves White Snake, and then he's replaced by Steve Vai. I mean, I didn't know that. Yeah, Steve Vai comes over. So you had, you know, Steve Vai been playing with the David Lee Roth band, and comes over and yep. White Snake. They had some great deeper the love. Now you're gone, fool for your loving. But he pretty much had the 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 pattern now with them. And I mean, it wasn't. It wasn't like a, a poison or a warrant sound. It was more of a bluesy sound, uh, but right. great, great albums. Two great albums right there for me. Uh, I haven't really listened to a lot of the older White Snake, but uh, man, those guys were had it going back in the in the late '80s, early '90s, and then that was near the end again. So, uh, but you know, they're still going as well. David Coverdale, I follow yep. him on Twitter. He's got a lot of things going on. They actually. I think they've got an album coming out where they're redoing, uh, redoing a lot of the old songs, and and going to have an album with that on it. So uh, I'm I'm looking forward to hearing that. So, but yeah, number five for me is White Snake. Who you got at number four? Number four is a band that, that I think we've all, all three of us are now going to be hitting on, and I got them a little higher than you guys did, but I've got Rat at number four. All right. Um, Early mid eighties, they hit it at the right time with Rob and Ron, you know, lay it down and uh, unfortunately they've had a lot of lineup changes since the death of Robin Cross. We talked about that a little bit earlier. Um, some great music videos. Um, you know, I remember seeing uh Milton Burrow and, and some of those videos dressed up. <laughs> that was back for more. <laughs> yeah. And then he was he was in round around dressed up like a woman. Yep, he sure did. Um you know, they still perform. They've got, like we said earlier, two of the original members still in there. Um, unfortunately, Stephen Pierce's voice, in my opinion, is just really, it's just gone. Um, you know, and I don't, I'm sure that, you know, years of heavy drinking and heavy smoking oh, yeah. doesn't really help your voice when you, when you sing at that kind of a high key. But, um, you know, Juan Crucier is still got, you know, he, like you said, he's underrated as, as a backup vocalist. And, uh, you know, you can definitely tell on some of their, their later concerts that they've done where you can hear a lot more of Juan Crucier than ever before and I think he's I think he's trying to pick up some of the some of the, the I hate to call it slack but some of the slack that Stephen Pierce just right. physically can't hit the notes anymore but um, you know I was a big fan you know after Robin Crosby died and they had so many lineup changes um, they brought in Carlos Cavazzo from, from yeah. Quiet Riot yeah. who I thought played great with Warren Martini, and um, you know for whatever reason we're Martini left, and Cavazzo said, well, if he's not in it, I don't want to be in it. And, you know, they just lost their, their second guitar player, so now they're down to a one-guitar sound, which, you know, speaking of sound like round and round, if you've never heard it with with just the one guitar player, um, if you never noticed it was two guitar players to begin with, you'll definitely notice it when you only hear it with one, because that yeah. dual guitar sound um, on that middle of the sound, that riff, just, I mean, you gotta you got to have two guitar players for that. It just... It doesn't sound right without it. So they're still touring, and they're you know they're looking to replace that second guitar player. Um, but I've got Rod at number four for me. Yeah, and one of the albums that they did later on that uh, was a lot of people haven't heard, and I don't know if you've listened to it or not. Uh, Infestation that was that had some really great songs. I've I've just started listening to uh, to some of it, and man, it, it it's got that. That old rat song that came out in uh, 2010, but it's got it's got okay. that rat sound to it. Uh, but yeah, that's that's another. And like you said, if if 
if you haven't heard Round and Round, you just listen to it with the one guitar player, you need to really need to hear the original version with the two guitar players. There's yeah. nothing like it. It's, it's no way that can compare to it. That, and like I said, that was the first time I had really been introduced to dual guitar solos. And, and man, they just yeah. fed off each other so great. Rat was definitely, definitely, those, them guys in Motley Crue were, were the two. At the forefront. Yeah, at the forefront of that, that hair band and the, the L.A. scene. Uh, it was it was really great back then with Rat. So, number four for Lynn. We just talked about them, and my number five is White Snake, of course, David Coverdale. We're not going to talk too much more about them, you know, because uh, we pretty much said all we did. But, you know, he's got a lot of, there's a, there's some new stuff coming out, and he's had a lot of lineup changes. Uh, I know one of the guys that was playing guitar was actually in Winger. Red Beach is playing was playing guitar for White Snake not too long ago, and I don't know if he's still there or not in the lineup. <laughs> Their lineup changes so much on some of these groups that it's, it's hard to keep up. But uh, number four for Lynn was White Snake. Number four for me was probably uh, it's another group, another one from that arena tour group. And uh, I just remember the first album I heard from those. You know, first song I heard was Photograph, and uh, they weren't the whole glam look back then. They had the the you know the Union Jack bandanas they and and of course uh, drummer uh, Rick Allen's up there with uh, with his nothing but it looked like a, a Union Jack bandana as his shorts but uh, man that was a great song and I, I listened to to Power Mania a lot and and for that that one goes that's been certified diamond now ten times platinum yeah uh, and then Hysteria. Yeah. I just remember I kept reading, like I said, I would get the Hit Parader or Circus every month, and I just kept reading about they were working on a new album, working on a new album, and it felt like forever. They went through so much during that time. You know, of course, Rick Allen in the car wreck loses his arm, uh, and uh, don't know if he's going to be able to, to play anymore, which, he, of course, everybody knows the story. He, he's got a foot pad he uses for for that lost arm and uh it sounds great and sounds you know i mean you couldn't tell i went, i got to see them live a couple years ago and uh, well a few years back and man you you could you can't tell me if you didn't know it you couldn't tell that guy's drumming with one arm uh, i mean but no. hysteria comes out and another another album that from top to bottom you could listen to you just put that on listen yeah, to like it. six or seven singles off that yeah i mean you know Twelve times platinum. I mean, that's crazy. <laughs> seven hit singles: "Love Bites," "Pour Some Sugar on Me," "Hysteria," "Armageddon," it, "Animal," "Rocket," and "Women." How bad do you have to feel yeah. for the one, for what the, the two or three songs that didn't get to be a single? I mean, how do you leave them two out? Why don't you just put the whole thing out as a as a big put the, whole, yeah, put the whole album out? I mean, they you know, of course, they go on to with follow up with that, adrenalized, and then the course a tragic death of guitarist steve clark who, who pretty much drank himself to death and uh they replaced him yeah. with vivian campbell and pretty much except for, you know that's pretty much been the big lineup change there because of a death i mean they had a uh original guitar player that pete pretty, willis. yeah pete willis they kicked him off for drinking too much i can't imagine how much he was drinking if they kicked him off for it but uh yeah, no doubt. yeah you know it's 
but you look at them now, and I mean, they're still going. They're getting ready to do the the big arena tour whenever we get rid of this COVID nineteen stuff, and uh, you know, still going. And I mean, I can tell you, when I saw them live, they were they were awesome. I mean, they they were still oh, yeah. kicking butt. So I mean, you know, and Hysteria's got to be one of those albums that people talk about as one of the most influential albums out there. Uh, but Def Leppard is number four for me. Okay. So, number three, top three here. What you top got? Top three. So I think we're, we're getting down to kind of the same ones, just in different orders. But I've got Quiet Riot. And, uh, Quiet Riot. I've got them a little bit higher than you guys, just because we talked about it a little You know, they were the first metal band to, you know, to crack the Billboard Top 200. Um, Rose is a great song. There's a slave cover. And I'm usually not a big fan of covers because um, I feel like sometimes it, it does it a disservice when you change it around. But, I, you know, this is one of the covers that I actually like the cover better than the original. Yeah. Um, Mama, We're All Crazy Now was another Slate cover that I thought they did better. Um, and then Metal Health. It's actually my favorite song of theirs. Um, you know, we talked about Randy Rhodes started the band in the 70s. Kevin um, Dupree came on shortly after. Um, but, you know, they kind of brought brought it to the forefront and kind of opened the doors for some of these other guys. And, you know, all the things that I've read and documentaries that I've watched, you know, Kevin Dubrow kind of, you know, is sitting on the side of that big riches and, uh, you know, thought he could do no wrong. And, you know, while he was trying to build himself and his band up, he ended up alienating other, you know, other friendly rivals and nobody really wanted to work with him and they fired him a couple of times and, um, uh, you know, it was it was just a tragedy that he had kind of put all those things behind him and rejoined the band, and then, you know, unfortunately died of a drug overdose. Um, I can't remember if it was intentional or unintentional, but, um, you know, they found him, was it early 2000s when this happened, maybe yeah. mid-2000s when he passed away? And, um, you know, they had talked about bringing the original lineup back, and, you know, unfortunately that fell through, but, um, you know, you can't take away from what they accomplished. I mean, metal was not not something that was on the Billboard charts until these guys came came around. And, and you know, again, the MTV era helped them out a lot. But I've got clear right at number three for me. Yeah, I mean, you know, like, like you said, if you can imagine or not, that kind of music wasn't wasn't uh, acceptable on Billboard charts back then. I mean, it was like, okay, right. yeah. I mean, it might be nice and all that. The metalheads like it, but it's not it's not Billboard material. But have you seen the documentary they did? Uh, the one that Frankie Benali put out? Yes. Yeah, um, I have seen it. You, where, they, where they went through the different singers. Oh, and, yeah. They got man, the guy from the cover band. It's and, so great. And they uh, had the guy while he was recovering <laughs> from brain cancer or something. Mm. Yeah, I mean, it's... it's not a, a good look. No, it's not a good look. But, you know, it's, it's just a great... You know, you see all the struggles they go through and... Uh, you know, yeah. one of the, one of the guys from the cover band can't remember the words to uh, to Metal Health. I mean, uh, yep. come on now, dude. How do you? When you sing for you sing for a cover band for them, I mean, how do you not know the words to that? I mean, you know, maybe one of the more obscure songs I could understand, but yeah, I mean, most most of us that like the band can sing Metal Health word for word. Yeah, yeah. I mean, stuff like that. Uh, you saw the struggles there, and uh, actually. Uh, if you listen to, I didn't know this till uh, I really got after seeing the documentary. I really got to looking up a lot of stuff on Quiet Riot. Um, 
the, there's a song on Metal Health called Thunderbird, and that's a tribute to Randy Rhodes because a lot of people were giving uh, Dubrow and, and Benali crap about carrying on the quiet right name after after Randy Rhodes died. And, you know, his Randy Rhodes' they mother. They went to his mother and got permission. Yeah, they, yeah they, got her, they got her blessing, and then they wrote Thunderbird as a tribute to him. So, uh, and that actually, actually when, when, when Rhodes left to go to Ozzy Osbourne, Rudy Sarzo followed from Quiet Riot, and then yep. they asked him to come back to help record that Thunderbird song. And then he had, they were having such a good time being back together again that he he ended up becoming a permanent member again. Of course, Rudy Sarzo left several times. You know, and here's the thing. You know, I was reading too when I was doing my research here. Can you imagine Quiet Riot, who's got Metal Health album on the Metal Health tour. They're the opening act for ZZ Top on their Eliminator tour. I mean, wow. yeah, it's kind of kind of an odd pairing there. But, uh, I, I, you know, and I, I wonder how long it took before uh, they went out on their own for a little while. But So number three. Have you heard him? He's, he's been gone since for, he's not their lead singer anymore. But did you ever hear him when James Durbin was James Durbin from American Idol, yeah, I heard him. He sounded great. He did, and you know, he just wanted to go out and do his own thing, and that's why he left. Yeah, uh, but is what yeah. he said. But uh, yeah, I, I hate it. They got uh, who is it? They've got in as their lead singer. They got Cozy, the, they, Jizzy uh, Pearl. Did Jizzy? Yeah, Jizzy Pearl, who was their lead singer at one point, left to do something and came back. Yeah, yeah. So uh, you know, of course, their future that they actually just put out. An album not too long ago. I mean, it was about the time that. Uh, and I think Durbin was a singer on it. Yeah, Hollywood Cowboys, which is about the time that Benali was had been diagnosed with cancer. Because there was a lot of talk before it got out that you know he wasn't at a lot of these these social meetings and uh, you know promoting the album and stuff. But uh, yeah, for, unfortunately, that was the reason why. So right. number three, number three for Lynn and then myself, we'll go ahead and talk about it, because you know, we we're in agreement on this one. It was a guy, is a group that you had a little bit earlier. I'm talking about Poison. Uh, I just remember, like I said, the, seeing the album cover for a little bit of Cat Dragon, thinking they were women, uh, and then uh, you know going to see them in concert. They were pretty awesome. CC Deville, one of my favorite guitar players. You know, fortunately. Let his demons get the best of him for a little while, but he's he's back on back on track now, and uh, glad to see them back together. The original guys back together to do this arena tour, which I hope we will see in the in the in the future. Right. Uh, but you know, so many great songs we talked about. You know, one of my favorites, "I Won't Forget You," was always uh, one of my favorites. Oh yeah. Uh, but you know, like I said, open up and say, "Oh, I can put that album on and listen to it and just let it play," uh, because it's such a great album to me. But Poison is myself and Lynn's number three. So, number two. You, go ahead. I was just to say real quick, you might know this, but I don't know that a lot of people know this. Lynn's actually auditioned for Poison and didn't get the job. Who which is, is Who did? What's that? Slash from Guns N' Roses. Oh, uh, yeah. I have heard that before. And can yeah. you imagine that? And he said, you know, it worked out best for everybody because he walked in and didn't didn't fit, you know, the sound was good, but he just didn't fit their look, and he said as he was walking out, he saw this guy who looked like a space alien coming in with mixed match shoes on, and um, 
as he was pulling out, he heard him, you know, hit an open corner or something, and that happened to be CC Deville, and he said he thought to himself right there, that's the guy that needs to be in this band. He looks like them. He sounds great. And, uh, you know, could you just imagine a world where Slash is playing for Poison and <laughs> would Guns N' Roses have, have ever done anything, you know, exactly. like Exactly. I mean, would they, would they have hit as, crazy. hit as big as they had? I mean, nah, I, don't, I don't know yeah. if they would have or not. But, uh, I don't think so. Number two, who you got? Number two for me is one you talked about just a couple slots earlier, and that's Death Leopard. Um, I kind of toyed with whether or not to put them up here because I don't know that they fit the traditional hairband, but I thought, you know what, if I'm going to put them up here, they need to be high because when you talk about substance of music, um, you know, we talked earlier about Pyromania, 10 times platinum, Hysteria, 12 times platinum. This is one of the best-selling groups of all time of any genre. I mean, they sold over 100 million albums worldwide. Um, I don't know that the rest of my list combined has over 100 million. Right. Maybe with my number one, they do. Um, but, you know, just, they they haven't had too many lineup changes. They've stayed out of the spotlight as far as, you know, negative things. Um, you know, I watched a couple of things on them where, you know, their manager said, hey, they could drink with the best of the bands. They just weren't public about, you know, airing their dirty laundry. And, right. Um, you know, when Steve Clark tragically passed away, they replaced him with Vivian Campbell. And, you know, I don't want to say it was seamless because I really like Steve Clark and Phil Collins kind of playing off each other. Another one of those dual lead guitars, yep. which, you know, just adds a fatter sound to the to the music. I mean, it just gives it more depth, uh, in my opinion. But, um, gosh, 100 million albums and, you know, hysteria. You can, like you said, you can listen to that thing cover to cover. I mean, you have a harder time picking out the songs that weren't singles than you do the ones that were singles. And that's, that's rare, especially for this genre of music. So I've got Death Leopard at number two. Yeah, and... Uh... Number two, Lynn has also got Def Leppard at number two, so you you guys are in agreement there. You know, I mean, right. Def Leppard was all over the radio for. I mean, you think about it; they did Hysteria for like two or three years, um, you yeah. know, and then had to come right back in and do Adrenalize, which you know had had its good points, but they they never, and you know, like I said, near the end, but they never matched that that sound of, of Hysteria and Pyromania to me. When when that was going, right. it, it, Def Leppard was going. All right, number two for me is 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 a group that uh, I can tell you the first moment I heard them for the first time. I was uh, actually on the way to a Northeast Academy baseball game on the on the activity bus. We were going to play, and I can tell you who we were going to play. We we're going to play Warren Academy, which was in like North Carolina, I think. But a friend of mine, he was a senior then, uh, Harris Hollingsworth. Big time, big time hair band guy, big time metal guy. He puts his tape in and he starts cranking, and I'm like, "What the heck is that?" And it was a different sound than the hair metal. We talked about it a little early. It's a different sound than the hair metal, but man, it, yeah. caught, it it was like, "Wow, who are these guys?" And this is another album that I could play start to finish. I'm talking about Guns N' Roses. I mean, probably the greatest debut album you ever heard. Appetite for Destruction. Uh, you know, Sweet Child of Mine. the best selling debut album of all time. Yeah, I mean, you think about it. You know, you had Paradise City, Sweet Child of Mine, Welcome to the Jungle. Uh, you know, so many great songs on that album. And, uh, you know, I kind of hated that we were robbed a little bit of it. Use Your Illusion 1 and 2. That They were two great albums. I mean, for them to put out 
two albums at one time. I remember going to the yeah. the store and buy that when it came out. For them to put two uh, have such great material that they could put out two albums at one time and sell the way they did. The Use Your Illusion you Tour. Oh my gosh, Use Your Illusion Tour was 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 a you know big but full of full of Axel's ego. Uh, I mean, several times oh, he, yeah. he walked off stage or. Or, or something that he didn't like, and of course everybody remembers uh, Metallica opening up for him, and when Hetfield was burned, this was in Canada, in Canada, Hetfield was burned, and you know Metallica had to, of course, end their set early, and Guns N' Roses could have been the hero, and then Axel's ego got the best of him, that's when he caused the riot, but uh, man, and then you had to go through the years, you know, you had Velvet Revolver with most of Guns N' Roses, and then right. Axel finally comes out with his new Guns N' Roses and uh, Chinese Democracy, which had a left a lot to left a lot out there for me. I mean, as long as it took, but you know, they're back together again. It took like with, ten years, wasn't it? Yeah, it took ten years to do Chinese Democracy, and you know, it wasn't it wasn't worth the ten year wait to me. It was okay, but it wasn't worth a ten year wait to me. It left a lot to be desired. It sure, sure did. It sure did. There was a few good songs on there, but it was no no appetite or no usual illusion by any means. No, but not at all. uh, you know and you know, he had of course one of the one of the great guitar players in Slash, Duff McKagan's there, um you know just a great great core group there and uh Guns N' Roses is my number two. So and, then, you know, talking real quick about Jeff uh, McKagan, to me, he's a Michael Anthony type. Where a lot of bass players are just up there, you know, going boom, 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 along with the trendy. Jeff McKagan, along with a Michael Anthony type, they actually have melodic chords with their bass. They play yeah. melodies. They don't just they don't just strum along and try to keep time with the trendy. They are, you know, you listen to a lot of that Guns N' Roses sound. If you really listen to that bass, you can hear it. Um, and, you know, I don't think he gets a lot of the credit that he deserves as a bass player, but, gosh, you talk about Slash. I mean, what a bluesy, throwback guitar player that, you know, like a stink eyed poison said no to him. He would have made that decision. Yeah, that would have changed everything. Oh, yeah. But have you ever really listened to, to the intro to Sweet Child of Mine? Oh, yeah. And you know what that, what the intro is, right? Well, I remember Slash said he was playing it as a joke, some little carnival kind of thing. It was like a he circus. It, it was like a circus thing. Yeah, and I mean, it, it it ended up as a joke, but it ended up, you know, I think uh, somebody in the band was like, "Hold on, let's build off that," and then they end up. Stephen Adler, yeah. You know, you make one of the one of the great songs off that off a joke. I mean, really. Yep. <laughs> Just great stuff. Guns N' Roses is my number two. So, who you got at number one? Well, I think you and I probably have the same number one. Um, you know, to me, when I think of 80s, glam, hair metal, this, to me, this is the defining group. Um, whether you like them, you don't like them, um, they're going to be on anybody's top ten list. I'm talking about Motley Crue. Yeah. Um, Shout at the Devil um, was a group. Well, let's start with Too Fast for Love. I really like, you know, songs like Livewire, where they kind of came on the scene. But when, to me, when they hit Shout at the Devil, was really when they hit, you know, their, their stride and the self-titled song Shout at the Devil was, you know, Tommy Lee's drumming is just, you know, far and away better than, than, than most. Um, it, 
power ballad we talked about it earlier to me the power ballad is home sweet home um oh yeah you, know, you kicked off on tv for being on the rotation for too long um sometimes i'll crank that up in the car and just belt it out with my terrible singing voice but um you know they were the decade of decadence they were all about the sex the drugs the rock and roll but their music had substance to it it wasn't just they were doing this to get the girls and the drugs and the money. They actually had, a, you know, a lot of great tunes. And then as the 80s kind of started getting towards the end of the decade, they kind of changed their sound a little bit with, um, you know, Girls, Girls, Girls. They kind of took the makeup off for that. Um, another great album. Um, Dr. Steelgood um, oh, wow. was a long-anticipated album for me. I was, I think that came out, what, 89 maybe? Yeah. And I was wondering if it was ever going to come out. It was, it was, to me, it was like, it felt like Chinese democracy, even though it wasn't <laughs> that long. But um, God, they had, you know, um, Stephen Tyler sang back up on a couple of songs on Dr. Feelgood. Yeah. And, um, you know, Nicky Six is, I don't think he's a great bass player by any stretch, but what a songwriter. I mean, if you look at the credits on all these hit songs, Nicky Six, if he's not the sole songwriter, he is, he's in there. So um, these guys still sell out worldwide, just like Def Leppard. I mean, that. I'm not sure if they're going to get back together. I think now they said they, they are. They're planning on doing it um, after oh, they yeah. took a couple of years off. But, um, you know, these are not guys you're going to find, and no disrespect to any of the other bands you talked about, but these are not guys you're going to find at a club in Greenville playing. Um, no. These guys are going to be selling out stadiums. They're going to be selling out, you know, um, amphitheaters, those kinds of things. So Motley Crue, to me, just kind of defines that whole music scene. So um, that's the way I got it, number one. All right, if it's also my number one. We'll go ahead. Lynn's got Guns N' Roses at number one. And uh, we talked a little bit about Guns N' Roses. But my number one, of course, is Motley Crue. Uh, like you said, the typical 1980s metal band, they were into it all. I mean, of course, uh, they are back together. They are going to do the arena tour. Um, and, and, you know, they went ahead and blew up the, the cessation of touring contract they had. They blew that up. Uh, a lot of the talk. I when they signed that. Yeah, and, I mean, how many people actually believed that that was going to stick? I, I, I didn't. No way. From day one, I said, you know, if the right, you know, and I mean, if the right situation came along, and I'm talking about the money part came along for them, they would do it. Uh, reading, reading an interview with Tommy Lee uh, here recently, and they it was asking why they came back and decided to do it. He said that. A lot of it had to do with with the Dirt movie. Uh, they yeah. were they were actually like behind it. I guess well not behind the scenes, but they were actually overseeing a lot of the stuff that went on in that movie. And they just realized. And then of course they recorded some new songs for the soundtrack. One of them was oh I don't know right. why they did Like a Virgin by Madonna that, that cover. Uh, but uh, you know they got they realized that they were they were getting along. And they were enjoying it. They were having fun. And, you know, when this this arena tour comes along, it was a perfect situation. You know, they're going to make some more money. Of course, I'm sure that had a lot to do with it, too. But, uh, you know, sure. you know, to see them, that's one of the bands I, I haven't gotten to see live and I would love to see live. And, uh, you know, whether I get to this arena tour or not, I don't know. But, you know, right. to, like you said, I was turned on to them by Shout the Devil. And then that was another time that I had to be 
at the record store when when Theater Pain came out. Theater Pain was not one of yep. the best albums, uh, top to bottom. But, but to me, it had that. Yeah, yeah, but then then you go to like you know they kind of changed a little bit with Girls, 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 which was, uh, you know, of course they talked about the tour. If if they hadn't ended that tour early, they probably would be dead. Uh, but then yep. they all got sober and decided to do Dr. Feelgood. And man, I can remember watching the world premiere of Dr. Feelgood and just like, holy crap. And you had to have that album. And top to bottom yep. there, that's, you know, so many albums that you could that, that we talked about tonight that you could play from top to bottom. But um, Dr. Feelgood, I mean, jeez, Don't Go Away Mad, Time for Change, uh, Without You. Uh, same old situation. Same old situation. Actually, I, I'll tell you this. To tell you how much social media and, and movies like The Dirt uh, uh, influence these young guys. My nephew has turned into a diehard Motley Crue fan. He just graduated, nice. 18 years old. Uh, one of his one of his wishes for Christmas, I don't know if he got it or not, was his mom and dad would buy tickets to one of the arena shows. Uh, but for I, I did share him. I bought him a, a Shout at the Devil uh, album. Uh, I, I found one and, and and bought him that. Man, you should have seen him. He was he was loving that. But uh, I bet he was, yeah. Yeah, and, and to see the you know the influence they have, and that was another thing Tommy Lee said too was the the renewed interest in by by the younger people that hadn't seen Motley Crue go out on on tour before, and they wanted to to be able to to share it out with them. But yeah, Motley Crue is definitely the the iconic hair metal band, you know, starting out at first and and. You know they had the they had the tragedies in life, of course, with uh, Vince Neil in the wreck when it killed Hanoi Rock's Razzle. Um, yep. But you know if you haven't seen the movie The Dirt, you really need to watch it. You find out all you need to know you about. Yeah, I started Hollywood. to watch it, and then my I started to watch it, and my ten year old came downstairs, and yeah. I said, "Oh, we gotta yeah, watch that that's, some other time." That's definitely not one you want to watch with a ten year old in the room. But uh, so yep. many so many great memories from Motley Crue. Jeez, uh, wow. But uh, well, I think the book The Dirt is, uh, you know, I'm sure the movie's great too. But if you've never read the book, yes, I have. The Dirt, it's it's great. A lot of lot of great stories in there. A lot of funny stories in there too. But, oh yeah, yeah, uh, absolutely. Yeah, if you need you need to to because they go pretty much by by the book there because uh, most of the band was overseeing overseeing everything. They want to make sure it was right. it's true life. Because I don't know if you saw if you've ever watched the on. Uh, uh, Re- the Reels channel they do the breaking up the band uh, series and they did they did one they did one on Motley Crue which uh, all the members of the band came out and said it was so much false information in it uh, that they were thinking about suing suing the company about it oh wow but so can't can't watch that but you always know if you got the band working on a movie it's going to be pretty much accurate there but yeah right. number one for me is Motley Crue I think we agreed on that so uh I mean, you look at this lit, these lists that we have, and I'll post them online. But man, just so many, so many memories, so many like school dances, so many nights listening to the radio, so many, you know, football games, football yep. games on the way to football games, listen to it. I had a, I had a friend of mine not too long ago from back then say, you know, you always had the 
little jam box and your all your tapes that you brought with us. He said you were you were pretty much a DJ on the bus then, but uh, yeah, and I, I still feel like uh, I could do that. I would love to go back to those days again, but this, oh, yeah. you know, like you said earlier, you know, I'm not. This is one of the things I'm not ashamed to say. I listen to this kind of music. I listen to all kinds of music, but this is definitely my favorite kind of music. My favorite era of music right here. Yep, that's it. It's up there for me as well. But uh, man, thank you so much, Steve, for doing this again tonight. We got Thanks to do for it. Me. Yeah, man, I, I always enjoy it. Man. We got to get one up here with me, you and Lynn, uh, so because we, we'll have a blast with that. But thank you so much, and looking we, forward we, to it. Yeah, we'll definitely come up with some more lists, and we'll have you on again. Sounds good. Thanks again. All right, guys, that is our top ten hair bands on the fly with Mr. Steve Hill. We'll see you next time on the fly. <laughs>